0: So we've got the KREF app map already pulled up to start the show today. I was just curious to see how many listeners we have today in the state of Alabama. Uh, we got someone listening in Madison, Alabama, someone listening in in Birmingham, Alabama. I would just like to hear from those people like how the locals in the state are doing right now. Check on your Alabama friends if they have any. It's been a tough day thus far. So far today, and uh, we've got several hours left, the SEC Freshman of the Year and star safety Caleb Downs is expected to enter in the portal. Starting left tackle and former five-star Caden Proctor intends to go to the portal. And then they lose, uh, what, a top 40 player nationally in the 2025 class in uh, Zion Grady. Oh boy. Uh, it's been a week since the Nick Saban era was officially over at Alabama, and I feel Parker Thune that this has been the toughest day for Alabama fans since the announcement happened. Um,
1: welcome to how the rest of us live in the college football Correct. world, fans. What's up? Yeah, this is life on the other side of the tracks. Alabama fans are feeling things that they probably haven't felt for most of their adult lives, or all of their adult lives. Or all of their entire lives. Nick Saban's been there a long freaking time. But nothing lasts forever. Saban's retired. New era at Alabama. And the portal giveth, the portal taketh away.
0: Well, I feel like reality has hit Alabama fans today. and
1: Maybe they'll end
0: up being fine. Maybe Kalen DeBoer will just run on and win national championships I don't think that's going to happen but maybe they're going to be okay and and be really competitive next year the problem for them Parker is yes those players are expected to hit the portal no that does not mean that 100% they're going to other schools but the scuttlebutt is the two players that left today to go to the portal kind of already know where they're going there's predictions galore for Caden Proctor to go back to Iowa and play for the Hawkeyes next year. Which tracks those? I those mean. predictions are everywhere, and some are even saying that he was going to hop in the portal regardless if Nick Saban retired or not because he was homesick.
1: I, I don't. I don't know about that. Well, what what ought to be understood about Caden Proctor's situation is that he was committed to Iowa for a long, long time. Correct. And. Yes. If it wasn't signing day on which he flipped to Alabama, it was very, very close to signing day. And Nick Saban was really the only reason Caden Proctor flipped from Iowa to Alabama. So with Saban retired, yes, I would figure Proctor goes back home.
0: And then uh, Caleb Downs sounds like Georgia and Ohio State. Yep, And, uh, yeah, highly sought after, really, really good. What did I say, all, all SEC freshmen last year? That's two big-time players that you're losing. And the problem is, man, with where we're at in the calendar, they'll have opportunities to get players in the second portal cycle, but they're just not <laughs> – if this happens to them a month prior and Nick Saban wasn't going to retire before the playoff started, they're just in a very tough spot right now to get players – to, uh, to replace the, the ones that they're losing right now. I don't feel bad for Alabama fans. I don't feel bad for Bama fans. They just got to live through one of, if not the most dominant run in college football history. I don't feel bad for them at all. But I think today is just another reality check that they've had over the past week that, yeah, maybe things aren't the same, and maybe uh, Nick Saban was Alabama uh, this whole time.
1: Man. I think Caitlin DeBoer is going to have success there. I I think he's the right coach for the job. I don't think there will be much of a drop-off. But obviously, you're going to have to reinvent Alabama football to a certain extent. And there's a foundation there. But new staff, new identity, like the fabric of Alabama football is going to be fundamentally changed because it's no longer Nick Saban at the controls. So, while I do think there is no real reason to figure that... Kalen DeBoer is going to struggle to keep Alabama in the SEC's top tier. We're not talking about a world moving forward, Tyler, where Alabama is in a league of their own accompanied only by Georgia, which is really how it's been for years.
0: Or a uh, situation where Bama fans all of a sudden readjust expectations. Yeah, 9-3, and three, hey, that'd be a successful <laughs> first year for Coach DeBoer. 9-3, and three, we'll take it right now. 10-2, and two, we're just over the moon for it. He can win 10 games in his first year. Yeah, what did Saban win? Like six national championships in his last 12 years at Bama? Expectations don't all of a sudden change like that. So you better win. You better win at a high level. Sean on the text line says, you don't play many snaps at Iowa as an offensive player so he can save himself for the NFL. <laughs> he won't be playing as many snaps at Iowa so he can uh, – th- this is for his draft uh, draft position here. Won't have as much uh, tread. <laughs> Playing at Iowa for two years.
1: This is this is bonkers. This is Nick Saban's record after his first year at Alabama in 2007, when they finished six and six. Um, well, I believe they finished six and six, six and seven is, after after the bowl loss. Yeah, no, they won. The, or they okay, won the they, they lost the bowl, bowl game before year. he got there. But yeah, uh, yeah. So they they finished seven and six then. Okay, but since then, since 2008. <laughs> Here's Alabama's records year by year. This is what they're accustomed to. 12 and 2, 14 and 0, 10 and 3, 12 and 1, 13 and 1, 11 and 2, 12 and 2, 14 and 1, 14 and 1, 13 and 1, 14 and 1, 11 and 2, 13 and 0, 13 and 2, 11 and 2, 12 and 2. So they haven't lost more than 2 games in a season, Tyler, since 2010. They haven't lost they they haven't had a single digit win season since
0: 2007. <laughs> <laughs> and their over yeah. under right now is at uh, nine and a half wins, which I might take the under right now on uh, on Alabama. I would not take the under. This could be the uh, they got a tough schedule, dude. This could be the first time since two thousand seven that uh, they don't win ten games. Oh boy. Oh, boy. We'll, we'll see who else enters into the portal from Alabama if anything else happens. 405 says, the reason why Alabama is listening to Oklahoma radio is because Oklahoma is the only place their players aren't transferring to. I thought there okay. might be some uh, upset fans if you didn't hear much about uh, Washington, and, Washington, Arizona, and Alabama players, really, considering OU. But it sounds like Caden Proctor made up his mind rather quickly, and maybe
1: Caleb Downs did as well. Well, and at this point, too, you're not taking transfers from Alabama or Washington or Arizona unless they are certifiable all-conference type. Like, you're not taking transfers for the sake of depth because guess what? You already have a surplus as far as depth goes. You are over your scholarship limit right now. You're going to have to process guys out to get down to 85 scholarship players by the time fall camp rolls around. So Oklahoma doesn't need any more depth. What they need is upgrades. And if you can find, like, if Caden Proctor and Caleb Downs had any interest whatsoever in coming to Oklahoma, absolutely. Absolutely you're making a play for those dudes. No question about, well, I say that. And even now, I sit here rethinking, well, what would Caleb Downs landing at Oklahoma mean for the rest of that safety room? You might lose somebody, and you might lose somebody good. Would it be worth it? Maybe. But would it be good for the culture? I'm not entirely sure, because if you're chasing off a dude that has developed a reputation at the University of Oklahoma as a leader and a competitor, like... Are you going to chase off a B-plus caliber player that everybody in the locker room likes and respects to bring in an A player in Caleb Downs? Well, I, I don't know. That's a tough decision. But, uh, yeah, Go go ahead. Well, regardless, yes, if either of those two dudes had any interest in coming to Oklahoma, you're obviously going to take a player of that caliber. You'll make it work. But – some backup offensive lineman or rotational contributor off the edge, you don't really have a need for any of those guys. 918,
0: I'm, the one, I'm uh, one of the ones in Alabama, in Madison, 918 number. I just moved out here this summer, so I can't help these Bama fans. Well, just ask him how the re- the reality setting in is, uh, is is maybe coming right now. If you could, I'm sure that'll go over well as a as a, a person living there in uh, Madison. Nine one eight says not considering position need. How do you think the 2024 class is compared to 2023? My take: it's not as near as good. What do you think? Um, I can tell you what Brent Venable said on National Signing Day, Part One. Please do. He said that, and I'm paraphrasing here. But he said this is the
1: best class that they've had since they've gotten here. And I would, I, class. I would actually agree. I would actually agree. You're splitting hairs to me between 2024 and 2023. But what distinguishes it to me is that you don't have – well, and I, I, I want to phrase this so that I'm being fair to every member of both classes. But the top end of the 2023 class was better. In a comprehensive sense, I think the 2024 class is better. Because, yeah, the Sooners had a bunch of dudes at the top of that 2023 class that you'd expect, okay, two, three years down the road, we're talking about first-round NFL draft picks right here. Peyton Bowen, P.J. Adibawara, uh, Jackson Arnold, Samuel Masigo, etc. cetera. Caden Green, rest in peace. Um, but the bottom end of that class – Uh, The bottom half of that class, I would say, in 2023 is not as strong, was not as strong as the bottom half of your class in 2024. I mean, you can look in the three-star ranks at Oklahoma's 2024 group and identify guys that should be and likely will be major contributors for this program in the not-too-distant future either. (laughs) Right there. There are no scrubs in that twenty twenty four.
0: Was that rest in peace because uh, his career is going to go to die at Mizzou? If is, that's is, how you'd like to take it, then yeah. yes. Okay. Well, there is a certain publication out there that does not believe Mizzou is going to have a drop off. In fact, they have records for every single team next year, and I would guess that this is be the best single season in Mizzou regular season history. Is how uh, at least one major publication feels about Mizzou next year which i said <laughs> okay we shall soon find out this publication has mizzou going 11 and 1 next year holy smokes what yes. yeah huh where is that loss um i need to go back and check in exactly it's not to ou not okay. to ou cuz they do not have a favorable outcome for oklahoma next year surprise surprise not not a whole lot of people going to be picking uh,
1: ou 10 and 2 uh, nationally mizzou mm. 11 and 1 i mean am i the idiot here tyler
0: Mizzou 11 and 1 historically no that means you would not be an idiot if you would uh, have would have ever questioned uh, Mizzou going 11 and 1 before a season. I I will not be picking Mizzou to go 11 and 1 this season. They uh, they fared a lot better than I thought that they would this year. Very fair, but yes, no 11 and 1? N- nah, I I can't I can't get there. I'm sorry. I cannot do that with Dorkwits. Uh,
1: well, I like not to diminish what Mizzou accomplished. But if you play that season over 10 more times, does Mizzou win 11 games again? I'm going to say no. What's-his-face did hit
0: the 62-yarder to beat Kansas State? Was it 62-yarder, Mevis, 61-yarder? The thicker kicker. hits that long field goal before? Yeah, who knows? 405-651-3439 is the Meyer Chevrolet text line. Yeah, the Athletic has final records for uh, all teams in the SEC next year. Not a great prediction for OU. Junior days coming up in 10 days, and a whole lot more from the portal and Cruton. Coming up next right here on The Ref. Locked in with McComas and Thune, live on The Ref. We are the home of Sooner fans. Tyler McComas, Parker Thune. Download the KREF app if you haven't already. You can take The Ref wherever you're at on the go. Just search KREF in the App Store. Brooklyn, New York is tuned in via the app today. Albuquerque, New Mexico. Gonzales, Louisiana. Lincoln, Nebraska. McKinney, Texas. Appleton, Wisconsin. And our small Oklahoma town of the day. Uh, Pond Creek, Oklahoma. Which is, uh, I think, what, just northeast? Northeast of Enid. So, welcome to the show, Pond Creek. When's the last time you uh, saw one of these up close? A Sports Illustrated. I found one up front uh, today here at the station. Oh, yes, with Coach Prime as the yeah. sports version of the year. Well, well, I mean, seriously, I don't know the last time I've actually seen a Sports Illustrated. An issue with Sports Illustrated where I was able to flip through the pages and not read about it online or see what the cover of, uh, of it is online. That, that was a big part of my childhood, man. So it was uh, halfway exciting today to, to see one and to kind of read through it during the break, even though, yes... Uh, Prime was 4 and 8 this year and was still sports person of the year on this SI issue. But do
1: you, do you come across these on uh, on a regular basis or is it first time in a while for I'm you? I'm legitimately trying to about trying to think when was the last time I would have seen a physical copy of a sports illustrated magazine and it sure enough has been a while. Used to I be I could not tell
0: you. Used to be delivered to the house once a month back in the uh, back in the early mid 2000s. Not so much anymore, but yes, sports person of the year is Dion Sanders. And I think the buffs were four and eight last year, so okay. Nine one eight. When I take off my Crimson and Cream glasses, next year's schedule is going to be tough. OU plays the same way as this year, then four or five losses on this schedule, they need to play better. They definitely got to play better on the road. That texture's yeah. saying, hey, Four or five losses if they don't play better. You could lose all four of your true road games next year if you don't play better on the road. So there's your four or five losses just right there. But the Athletic has OU with a whopping seven and five season next year in the SEC. Wow. Where are those losses? Seven and five season next year. Well, basically your five toughest games. Okay. Got them losing to Texas got them losing to Ole Miss, got them losing to LSU, got them losing to Alabama and
1: to Mizzou. Wow. So basically whoever wrote, whoever prognosticated that has zero faith that Oklahoma can win a tough game.
0: 5 and 0 start, says the Athletic, 2 and 5 finish the rest of the wow. way. Losing 5 of their final 7 games. They got Bama going 10 and 2. Georgia going 11 and 1. LSU going 12-0, and 0. they're predicting a perfect regular season for LSU? What? They just had one of their worst defenses in school history, and they're losing a Heisman winner. Yeah, who's playing quarterback? I, is Nessmeyer still I there? I guess it
1: would be Garrett Nussmeier.
0: yeah. They haven't brought anyone in via the portal, I don't think. Not At least not a big name. 12-0 and 0 for LSU. 11-1 and 1 for Missouri. 11-1 and 1 for Texas with their loan loss at Texas A&M. But OU is going to roll off a 7-5 uh, and five next year, according to The Athletic. Tied for 8th. OU will be tied for 8th in the
1: SEC next year with such teams such as Kentucky and South Carolina. Three 11-win teams in the SEC and none of them named Alabama or Georgia? E- yes. Boy, that's going out on a limb.
0: I mean that's a conference where you've got how many teams, like one, two, three, yeah, four teams winning eleven or more games next year in uh, overall. Yeah, in that's the SEC. just not going to happen. That that doesn't really that that's not really how it works. <laughs> and LSU going twelve and zero is uh, I uh, I can't get there as of right now. A lot of things are going to have to happen for for that to be the case. I know it's early, it's January, just someone writing putting something out. I just think it's interesting to see how people view. OU at this point in the year and their first year in the SEC. And as we would have imagined, they view OU and Texas rather, uh, pretty differently in is their it, inaugural year in the uh, Southeastern Is Conference. it
1: all about the quarterback? Because Oklahoma, like the difference between Oklahoma and Texas in 2023 was one loss. Texas lost twice. Oklahoma lost three times. And really the only difference... I think the only difference that could justify such a rosy prognostication for Texas versus such a such an ignominious one for Oklahoma is the fact that Texas will be returning Quinn Ewers and Oklahoma will be handing the reins to Jackson Arnold. Other than that, Tyler, you look at what Oklahoma is bringing back compared to what Texas is bringing back. There are way fewer questions about Oklahoma and their ability to stay above water in the SEC than there are about Texas, way fewer. Yeah. Well, I, I'm sure people watched the
0: the the Alamo Bowl with Jackson Arnold and said, yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's not going to be good. Just going to turn the ball over a ton next year. What I mean, that's what happened. The one start that he had. So if you have questions about Jackson Arnold, I I think that's fair. I, I even have some questions about him going into next year. How could you not? But I also have questions about Quinn Hewers as well. Like I don't. Texas loses a lot, and I just don't say, ah, well, Quinn Ewers is going to carry them to an 11-win season because
1: he's that good. I-, I guess I'm just not there. This listener in the 918 says, Forget the soul mission. We need a M-O-N-E-Y mission for the portal. Ooh. Who's going to lead
0: the – we know who leads the soul mission. Who's going to lead the money mission? What celeb can they bring in? Or uh, who? who who can they bring in to lead the money mission? Toby Keith. Toby Keith, gotta be gotta be Toby Keith. Toby Keith leading the money mission around here. Okay, four oh five. Our schedule in twenty twenty four is harder than it looks. Our opponents' games uh, the week they play before us, and okay, basically just running down that a lot of the teams that OU plays this year the week before they play OU they either have a buy or they may have a,
1: a, a, a virtual a, a buy. virtual buy. Yeah, uh-huh. Tennessee <laughs> plays Kent State before OU. Auburn plays Arkansas, Bama plays Mercer, LSU plays Vanderbilt. So, yeah, you know, that's fair. There may be several teams on the schedule, thus, that get an extra, not not an extra week of preparation. So, I mean, you still have to game plan for Vanderbilt and you still have to game plan for Arkansas. But you can kind of start to cheat a little bit. Uh, Neil, I don't think I have to repeat this or have to
0: say this, but just just to I guess just to say it, seven and five would be a disappointing year next year. I, I don't care what conference you're in, seven and five with a two and five finish, yeah that that would not that would not be great. CT and Piedmont says OU fan Brad Pitt needs to donate to our NIL. Can Brad Pitt lead the uh, lead the money mission? I know he was at the Rose Bowl game, OU in Georgia. I don't know if that's the only. OU game in recent years that he's attended. But he was wearing a, an OU hat at the Rose Bowl game, if I rem- remember correctly. Listening to the N1A says good old JR and all that pro wrestling money. <laughs> Jimmy Johnson, do you ever get in a NASCAR? Jimmy Johnson's a is is Jimmy an OU, Johnson fan. An OU yeah. guy? He's got to be pretty well off, I would imagine. Oh, holy smokes. He's got to have limitless money. So see, they got some options for okay. the money mission.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: And I do want to see I want to see promos during timeouts, during games of the money mission on campus. And, and whoever is leading that with some, uh, with some awesome commercials. That'd be great. Uh, KW918 says, it's not all about the quarterback. It's about how atrocious we were on special teams, how bad we are in zone coverage, and our inability to close out games
1: on offense. Wow. Sounds like you got a whole laundry list of uh, bones to pick. With the Oklahoma coaching staff. And look, to be fair, the Sooners could have played a lot better. They could have. And special teams wasn't great. I think special teams will be better next year. And like, like look, these are all things. So many of the issues that we saw that manifested themselves for Oklahoma in 2023 are easily fixable over the course of an offseason. Right, what you can't fix, well, you can these days in the portal, but... It's still difficult, and still requires a lot of investment, both literally and figuratively. You can't, re- you can't fix the Jimmies and Joes, right? You have the dudes; the dudes are going to win you football games. And to their credit, the OU staff made major strides in shoring up some of the weaknesses that we saw from that football team in twenty twenty two, right? Because there were a myriad of issues that plagued Oklahoma over the course of that six and seven campaign now did we see some of those same issues rear their heads at times yes it wasn't as egregious in 2023 as it was in 2022 and for the most part well without exception really the three games that oklahoma lost in 2023 were all very winnable games the same can be said For 2022, if you omit the TCU game where Dylan Gabriel was out for two and a half quarters and the Texas game where Dylan Gabriel was out for um, the entirety of the contest. But every other game throughout the first two years of Brent Venable's tenure has been highly winnable for Oklahoma. And you lost five winnable games in 2022. You lost three winnable games from 2023. As long as you continue to lose fewer and fewer winnable games. And you just make those few plays here, few plays there, execute in those moments that were the razor's edge between victory and defeat in 2023. The Sooners are going to continue to get better and better and better and sounder and sounder and sounder, and that's why I trust that they're going to be able to hold their own in the SEC next year. It's not going to I don't think this is a 7 and 5 team.
0: Uh by the way, a texture lets us know that Jimmy Johnson has a net worth of 169 million dollars. Nice boy. Yeah, that'll do if he wants to lead the money mission. I think that could happen. Also, oh, text line let us know, lets us know that Brad Pitt, yes, born in Shawnee, but he is a Mid-Zoo alum. What? That's so dirty money. Oh, no. Dirty money if you give him the, the money mission. Give him that title. He's a Mizzou alum? He's a Mid-Zoo alum. Mm-hmm. Oh, born in okay. Shawnee. What went wrong for him? I don't know. Clearly, it was a confusing time of his life. He's figured it out. He's had a great life, but man. Got to let kids make their own mistakes, I guess. And he did that going to Mizzou. uh, 405-651-3439 is the text line. Uh, We'll get into portal. There's a lot of 25 and 26 offers going out right now by the staff. So we'll get into the transfer portal and recruiting coming up next right here on The Ref. Locked in with McCombus and Thune. Live on The Ref. Led the show yesterday with the uh, Fong, the crystal ball For Nate Roberts, four-star tight end out of Washington, Oklahoma, to Ohio State. Nate Roberts will be in Columbus this weekend. He'll be at OU the following weekend for Junior Day, and then he's going to be in Oregon the weekend after that on February 2nd. So I think he took a visit to Penn State last football season, correct? But does it feel like the top three as of right now are Ohio State, OU, and Oregon at this point
1: yes and you know we've discussed that those are the two primary threats to Oklahoma for Nate Roberts or Oregon and uh, Ohio State and not a given shouldn't be taken for granted that he winds up at Oklahoma I have enough reasons to believe as do the folks in the Switzer Center that he is a sooner when push push comes to shove but I think any way you slice it we're pretty long ways out from a decision
0: yeah, but th- those three visits coming up uh, the next three weekends. So, yes, the the crystal ball came yesterday, but I wouldn't expect him to return to Columbus. And it's like, all right, I'm shutting it down. I'm uh, committed to Ohio State. That doesn't feel like the timeline that he uh, that he wants to work with no. at this time.
1: No.
0: But there's a lot of 25 and 26 offers rolling out right now. Uh, what Jack Lange, offensive lineman, four-star out of Eureka, Missouri, was offered. Uh, Jaden Harmon was recently offered. Feels like we've seen about 4 or 5 over the past 24 hours that have been released. So we'll just kind of keep tabs on the 25 offers that are out there and I did find this interesting from Greg Powers, which I don't I don't think he's with any of the major services anymore covering recruiting. He's with uh Dave Campbell's Texas Football. Yeah, is is that where he's at now? He he had a tweet that said, "I don't know how all these recruitments will shake out." But I did notice a trend this weekend of top offensive linemen in Texas high school football high on Oklahoma and Coach Bill Biedenbow. I expect the 2025 hashtag Boomer Sooner offensive line class to be special. And as we've already talked about a few times before, you're set up nicely as of right now with some major offensive line targets. And if he wants to just talk about Texas offensive linemen, Then what, Michael Fasusi is the first
1: one that comes to mind for me. Him and Lamont Rodgers, certainly. And you you can look beyond those. I think Owen Hollenbeck, the one guy that they have committed right now in the 2025 class, is a gem. I think that in many ways is going to be the B.J. Brooks of the 2025 cycle for Oklahoma in that you don't really appreciate how good he is until you see him up against some of the nation's elite. But he kind of flies under the radar because he's at – or has been at Melissa high school where he's played alongside a guy in Nigel Smith, who obviously was a top 100 player ended up signing with Oklahoma. And then you had Jackson Ford who decommitted from Oregon late in the cycle, ended up signing with Tulsa good pickup by Kevin Wilson and his staff. But Owen Hollenbeck was probably didn't get the attention he otherwise would have gotten because of the presence of those two dudes and everything that they contributed to Melissa's success. But this year, this fall, and especially this offseason on the camp circuit, I think Owen Hollenbeck's stock is going to rise significantly. He's six foot four, three hundred and forty pounds, okay. Tyler. And mm. if you look at that kid, it's it's not a fat three forty either. It's not three hundred and forty pounds of bad weight. It's 340 pounds of a dude that looks like he could throw down on you with his finger and thumb. It
0: would still be a fat guy touchdown, though, if he was a touchdown. It t- yes. still counts as a fat guy touchdown, but all right, it's, a, it's a good 340, says uh, says Parker Thune. Well, you've got the first big recruiting weekends of 2024 for the 2025 class coming up in 10 days. The junior days coming up in 10 days. So how do we feel about this? Like, the three most notable visitors— that we think will be in town, the number two linebacker, Jonah Williams, five star wide receiver Caleb Cunningham, and the four star tight end that we just talked about, Nate Roberts. How's that for a three most notable visitors for the junior day weekend coming up in ten days?
1: I think that's pretty adequate. solid. Let's let's see what happens with Lincoln Cure. Let's see oh, if man. Lincoln Cure shows up. I really Nothing's hope Lincoln Cure shows yet, up. That'd be great. I have a feeling. I have a feeling that that might that visit might end up getting scheduled.
0: Does OU have a home basketball game that day on that Saturday? Do
1: they? I,
0: I mean, they sure. play on the road this Saturday. They played on the road last Saturday. I, I would I think maybe they play at home that Saturday. So I, I wonder if the uh, if the basketball game is going to be a part of the afternoon. And if so, let's maybe put Lincoln Cure in a uh, in, in a jersey and get him some minutes out there. I'm down with it. Get him some minutes out there. He's that He's that good. He's that athletic. Six foot six with bunnies? Yes, please. Um, okay, this text from the 405 says, I know they won't fire him after one season, but how hot does the Bama seat get if they lose two road games against any of Wisconsin, Tennessee, LSU, or OU and one home game against Georgia or Mid-Zoo? Milrow ain't Penix."
1: They, How hot Kay, does a seat get with Kaylin, the nine and three years Kaylin that we're DeBoer's asking? seat will not be hot in year one. Because I guarantee you, even if the fans expectation is that he's going to come in and keep winning at a Nick Saban clip. If he struggles in year one, I'm sure Greg Byrne, the Alabama athletic director will not bat an eye because he's replacing Nick Saban, right? You're not going to come in and be Nick Saban. Now, Caleb DeBoer may have Alabama in championship contention and who knows maybe he's a good enough coach that in year 1 they're already right there but with some of the pieces that they've lost in the transfer portal I think Alabama is going to have a harsh return to reality and that doesn't that doesn't necessarily mean 7 and 5 right that could mean 9 and 3 but even so as we've talked about 9 and 3 is still a pretty foreign concept to Alabama fans. Yeah. They're not going to deal with that well. 9 and 3 maybe doesn't
0: land him on the hot seat after one year, but it's one of those uh hey bud, yeah, you're not saving, but in year 2, you need to go ahead and make the 12 team playoff and maybe win a game or two in the 12 team playoff. If he uh, if he puts up back-to-back 9 and 3 seasons, then going into year 3, uh he will be on the hot seat. That's just kind of the way it works down there. 9 uh, one have you guys already talked about Caden Proctor? We have. We led with Alabama today and what's going on. Caden Proctor, there's a whole lot of predictions for him to end up at Iowa. Feels like that's going to happen at this point. That's
1: what I believe will happen. Don't think he really looks all that hard anywhere else unless there is an enormous NIL offer that he can't refuse. But, I mean, he's kind of a homebody. He flipped from Iowa to Alabama at the tail end of the cycle because of Nick Saban, and with Saban now out the door, it makes all the sense in the world for him to head back home to Iowa.
0: 405, does it feel like, in your opinion, Kevin Sperry could reach five-star status? Is this summer going to be... Is it going to be kind of the determining time period if he's going to reach five-star status or not? Is his camp circuit... Some of the events that he goes to this summer, if he's planning on it. Because we know how these these rankings go for a lot of these quarterbacks. A a lot of these guys that end up with with five stars, they kind of earn that out there on the camp during the offseason. Is that what's going to have to happen for Kevin Sperry? Or can he still earn it next year when he's a quarterback at Carl Albert's?
1: I think it's going to be harder for him playing in the state of Oklahoma to vie for five-star status. But I think if you see him make a big move up the recruiting rankings, it will be at the Elite 11.
0: 405 OU will likely be a better team next year, but will probably have a worse record in 24 than it did in 2023. Well, bet yeah, they better have a, a, a better team next year. And it better be one of the best defenses in, in recent memory. I'm not talking about 2000-level defense or 2001, but it needs to be the best defense that you've had in a in a decade's time because of... All the starters that you have coming back, some of the star power on that side. You got a young quarterback, an offensive line that we're unsure about. Defense is going to gonna have to lead the way next year. So, But, yeah, they, they they need to be better. On the transfer portal side, we're just waiting on Zalance Hurd. And, really, what are we doing? We're waiting on Zalance Hurd to pick Tennessee. And that's why it was so interesting to me that Rivals had a story out today on... And they're still... Looking at OU as a Big 12 team right now, whatever. But it's like biggest questions for Big 12 teams here in this like portal in the portal cycle that we're in. Gorney said this: Oklahoma could have the biggest news awaiting. They're awaiting word on former five-star offensive lineman Zelance Heard as the Sooners look to be the team to beat. What? Yeah, i I thought that was surprising when I read that today.
1: Yeah, no, I don't, and that wasn't
0: I, something three or four days old. That was from
1: today. Yeah, I I I will say I do not think Oklahoma is the team to beat for Zellancer. Ex Yeah, same. That's
0: yes. I just thought that was interesting. Oh, it's interesting that uh, no OU doubt. is the team to beat. It has not changed my opinion whatsoever of what I think is going to happen here. But when is Zilanser going to get commit to Tennessee? I I don't know. I I thought it would happen this weekend, but. I still think that that's going to be the end result. And are we talking about anybody else in the portal for OU this cycle when he commits to Tennessee? As of right now, no. Doesn't feel like it. 405-651-3439 is the Kinnipa-Meyer Chevrolet text line. We'll get to more text, more cruton as well, right here on The Ref. Dorsey Jones, Buick GMC in El Reno, bring you the sour of locked in. Dorsey Jones, half-price oil changes on Saturdays. Go see him in El Reno. Dorsey Jones, Buick GMC. Jaden Jackson and David Stone are at the Polynesian Bowl. I think David Stone's first practice was day two yesterday, I want to say. But we'll keep tabs on what's going on with David Stone and Jaden Jackson out there in uh, Honolulu. Carter Nelson, man, every sing- sounds like uh, every time he goes to some sort of a uh, event like this, he's one of the better players out there. Nebraska got a good player. <sighs> that kid's In a this freak class. show,
1: man. That kid is a freak show. Uh, it Just one of those dudes that was born with an unfair amount of athleticism.
0: Four-star defensive lineman Deontay Robinson released from his NLI at Texas. Kind of sounds like Florida might be the move for him. Terry Bussey, five-star, Texas A&M commit, He's got visits to Georgia, LSU, and A&M ahead of, of signing day. L- LSU going to figure out a way to get that one done with Terry Bussey? The five-star, or is A&M going to hold on? I don't think A&M will hold on. Sure doesn't I, feel like it at
1: this point. He's got three visits yeah, set up. Yeah, I think he ends up at LSU or Georgia.
0: LSU or Georgia right now. Man, what a big... Uh, big ad that would be for either of those two programs because as we talked about throughout the 2024 cycle that dude is electric down there in Timpson, Texas. Yes, Bama's losing players to the portal. They're also losing players in the 2025 class. I think they were around I think they may were they they like top 5, maybe even top 3 at this time last week. They're all the way, they're uh, out of the top 25 right now in the 2025 class. It's early, they'll get commits, Bama will end up having a nice recruiting class, but they had a decent number of commits early, and a lot of those have decommitted, including a top 40 recruit, Zion Grady, today. So, we'll see what Kalen DeBoer can do in uh, in the recruiting side. I think their run of the crazy amount of number one finishes in recruiting is probably going to come to an end. Maybe Kalen DeBoer has a number one recruiting class at some point, but felt like Nick Saban had like the number one class ten out of fourteen years or something <laughs> like
1: that. I I don't think Bama fans should expect that anytime soon. It's going to be a diff like it's going to be different looking at the composition of Bama's staff too, because and, and look, DeBoer has made good hires. I mean, he's already lured away two FBS head coaches to be assistants on his staff, but. In years past, when you looked at the Alabama staff, is like, oh, that guy used to be a head coach in the NFL. Or, oh, that guy used to be a head coach at this Power 5 institution. Or, oh, they snagged this guy from the professional ranks to coach a position at the University of Alabama. It was a loaded roster, certainly, year in and year out with Nick Saban, but part of the reason was because it was always a loaded staff. And there's not going to be, at least initially, there's not going to be that well I don't even know what you would quantify it as there's not going to be the dynamic of instant name recognition, yep with a lot of those assistants on staff because Kane Womack and Maurice linguist those types of guys yeah they they're good coaches they're well traveled coaches they're experienced and successful coaches, but it's a far cry from Bill O'Brien and Steve Sarkeesian and Kirby Smart and what have you.
0: Jeff from OKC says, which is the bigger story next season? OU in Texas and the SEC or no Sabin in Alabama? I think nationally it'll be no Saban in Alabama will be the bigger story. I, I mean, it's, it's one of the bigger college football stories that we've seen in, in, in a long time. So, nationally, how it will be viewed? Jeff, obviously, around here, it's OU and Texas and the SEC. But I think most people outside the state would say no Saban in Alabama. Brandon from the 405, thoughts on Kamari Moore. Heard you speaking well on him a couple of weeks ago. Do you think it sticks or he flips?
1: I think he sticks. I have zero. And no one has any tangible reason to believe Kamari Moore flips other than, like, <laughs> If Caden Green had transferred to anywhere but Missouri, nobody is talking about Kamari Moore flipping. And I want to be clear, the notion that that could happen is entirely apocryphal, and it's entirely based on speculation. There is Missouri hasn't even offered Kamari Moore. Now, he loves Oklahoma, loves the situation at Oklahoma, loves Todd Bates. And I think that eval in time is going to prove to be a really solid one because he is disruptive, he's quick, he's strong, he's powerful. I love what he brings to the table. And, yes, he is solidly locked in with Oklahoma.
0: Three-star out of uh, Lee Summit, Missouri, uh, defensive tackle. And you're not the only one that had that opinion coming away from San Antonio because that's where you spoke to him last, right? Yes. in San Antonio. And there were some national people there saying, yeah, kind of – yeah, feels like OU's still in a really good spot with his commitment. But yeah, if Caden Green is still on campus, or like you said, ends up committing to Ohio State, not really talking about how solid of a commit he is right now with, with Oklahoma. But as things sit right now, yeah, OU's, OU's got the commit, pretty good shape. Long way to go, though. Long way to go here, just in the uh, middle part of January. All right, that'll do it for Locked In. The Rush coming up next. Keep it locked on the ref.